For those that are visiting, those that have been away, we've been uh, starting, and we're in the third week of a, of a uh, sermon series on discipleship. And so we backtracked the first week and we looked at that reality of what is a Christian. And last week we looked at, and we'll look at that in a few moments, of what Jesus says a discipleship is according to the Bible. And today we're challenging you, challenging you to become uh, a disciple of Christ. And if you've heard our passage of scripture. Now here's a question for you today. What is the difference between a hunter and a fisherman? You're thinking, I can see, I can see, I can see the eyes just. A hunter lies in wait, and a fisherman waits and lies. I had to share that one. When I seen that one this week, I had to share that. You know about the fish that always got away? The one that was always getting bigger and bigger, or how big the fish became? Well, Matthew's story today is a familiar story to a lot of us, and it's all about fishermen. And, uh, and, and it happened on this Sea of Galilee, right? And the sea apparently is beautiful. I would love to be able to see the Sea of Galilee in person. Never had the privilege of doing that. But the Sea of Galilee apparently is such a beautiful and lush area. And it's freshwater lake. And it's 13 miles by 8 miles large. And it's 680 feet below sea level. And why I share that with you, it is so below sea level, it's got like a tropical way about it and a climate. And the area now today is still full of fish, but it's sparsely populated. But back in Jesus' day, when Jesus was there, there was nine cities around this lake. And uh, these men, most of the people around that lake, they fished. There was 15,000 people who lived around the lake as, as Jesus went around the Sea of Galilee or Lake of Galilee. And in Jesus' day, as you walked around this wonderful lake, you could see the shore was filled with boats and fishermen and nets. And so fishing is part of the gospel often. These symbols are used so much because so many of the disciples were fishermen that some of these symbols are even used for the church. So we know the early church and even now we talk about the church being what? A boat, a ship out at sea. Remember you've heard that statement? The boat wasn't made to stay where? In the harbor, right? It's meant to go out. Hugging the, hugging the pier, it's meant to go out into the ocean. And so they use this symbol of the boat. We know faith, uh, that symbol is often used, right? The anchor that holds us down and holds us still our faith. And then, of course, there is the symbol of the fish. And we still see the fish today on many bumpers. And I've said to people, make sure you're driving and following the law. You're going to put a fish on your bumper. Don't put the fish on your bumper if you're not doing what you should be doing. Make sure you put your fish on your bumper if you're going to signal which seems to be sometimes an issue. Uh, and so the fish, though, what was happening with the fish, why that was a symbol, one of the reasons, actually, the fish was a symbol for the church before the cross ever was. And it was the early church would use the fish. The church was suffering much persecution, and much like some brothers and sisters in Christ today are still suffering persecution for the cause of Christ. And so when they came into a town and you met someone you didn't know, the one person would draw the top line of the fish, 
And if the other person was a believer, you would know they were a believer because then they would, in the, in the ground, would draw the bottom line to make the fish. And then you knew this person was a believer and could be trusted. And this is how when they traveled from town to town, they could find the believers. If someone didn't complete the fish, then they knew well, this person doesn't know what I'm doing here. And they could stay protected. Actually, the fish is also used, sometimes you'll see that phrase in Greek, ictus, which means fish. And if you take uh, the actual words in Greek, it means Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. And so that's why that became a symbol for the early church. And so we see this fishing in the sea is, is really embedded in the faith, and especially in the Gospels, as you'll see. And so we see that Jesus says to these men, right, as we're looking at today, in particular verse 19 and 20 is what we're honing in on today. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Interesting enough, Pastor Mike prayed this morning because he prayed for this familiar passage. Because it's such a familiar passage, we can tune out. We can easily tune out to say, oh, I know that passage. I heard that in Sunday school. But what we want to pray today is that the Holy Spirit will speak to us about this familiar passage and apply it to our lives. In our task to go and make disciples of all nations, we said last week and we say it again, it starts here. Always starts here. And we talked about last week, it's a relationship. I like what Timothy Dolan says. First things first, we cannot engage culture unless we let Jesus first engage us. We cannot, cannot dialogue with others unless we first dialogue with him. And we cannot challenge unless we first have been challenged by Jesus. See, we can't effectively go and make disciples unless we are disciples ourselves. We keep hitting that nail. <laughs> These weeks, haven't we? And so the first call, first of all today, we see the call. And Jesus says the call. And the call is for everyone. Come, follow me. Not complicated, pretty simple, but hard to do. Jesus said, come, follow me. Last week, we looked at that definition by Jesus. What did Jesus say a disciple is? He said, a disciple, anyone who wants to come after me and follow me, is one who denies what? Themselves, right? Takes up their cross daily and follows me. We looked last week. See, this week we're hearing follow again. Last week we looked at the reality of follow. If I follow somebody, I am what? With them. Now, of course, we said last week it's easy when you were physically uh, a disciple of Christ and you've got to follow him physically, but we now have to follow him how? Spiritually. It is a relationship. So daily we have to uh, spend time with him because following somebody means I'm with him. But it also means in the original language and what the disciples were to do was they were to also do what he did. And that's all throughout the Gospels. That we are called as little Christ. Remember we talked about that the first week. Christians, we are called to do what Jesus did. Right? And so that's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that we are with him. And we also do what he did. Just in chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus says, he begins his ministry and he says, repent. 
for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he goes out to begin to call his disciples. And so he calls these fishermen. And you know, some of us look at that and think, well, that might have been the first time. But many believe it's not the first time they met Jesus. And some of the disciples were followers already of John the Baptist. And so now Jesus is coming, and they probably have seen him. They've probably seen Jesus being baptized and the pronouncement of John the Baptist. And so now Jesus goes to these men, and he says to them, come, follow me. Basically, put your lot in with me. Fishermen. Why fishermen? Wouldn't you have thought that Jesus would have gone to the spiritually elite? Wouldn't you have thought that he would be in the synagogue or he'd be in the temple or he would be looking at the elite of society to call? You see, this reminded me of his birth. Christ's birth was in such a humble, lowly way that, that we look at that and think, oh my goodness, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, wisely built, uh, wisely born in, in, in a castle, right? Or if, if he is really the high priest of all priesthoods, why wasn't he born in the temple? And yet he was born in the most humble way. And yet here we see the call of Jesus is not up in Jerusalem. The call of Jesus is not to the spiritually elite. The call of Jesus is not to the scholars. The call of Jesus comes out by a sea where there's some fishing boats and people mending nets. Ordinary, everyday people. And I want to say to you today, that proves that God still calls us all. Ordinary, everyday people. I remember when the Apostle Paul uh, had that thorn in his flesh and he asked God to remove it. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, we can read, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. And here's the point. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God doesn't choose the powerful. He chooses the weak. That his power might be manifested. And so, you know, these ordinary, hard-working fishermen did have some amazing qualities that God chose. They were what? Fishermen are patient. Fishermen are patient. You watched them when we had the other night at Shelton down at the end of the road. There were three men set up, and guess what they were doing? They were bass fishing, right? We're seeing a lot of bass fishing going on in the island. I've never fished for bass. I don't know if I ever want to fish for bass. I like eating it. It's good. <laughs> but you have to be patient as you put that rod out, and you wait for what? The fish to bite. And fishermen were men that knew what it was to be patient. And so if we are going to be doing God's work, we need men and women of God who know what it is to be patient. They were men who didn't give up. They persevered. If you didn't catch any fish yesterday, you didn't go in the corner and cry about it and never fish again. What does a fisherman do? Gets up the next morning and goes at it again, much like our farmers and other people. And so uh, these men were the ones that Jesus called because they knew what it was to persevere through thick and thin. And they were men of courage. They had a little boat in a great big sea. And they knew what it was to see people 
even lost at sea. They knew what it was to see the gale force winds and storms, and their little boat was out there, and they had great courage. Because even if a storm happened yesterday, they were out in the boat today knowing another storm could come. They had great courage. And so they would need great courage to follow Jesus. Fishermen know the right timing. They know when it's good to fish and they know when it isn't. And they're not going to waste their time when it isn't. They knew the knowledge about the bait. They knew which bait best suits what fish. I remember one time we tried fishing up at camp. Uh, up in Ontario, and we were out there trying to put corn on the, with the kids, corn on the hooks, and wondered why the fish weren't eating. You put the wrong bait on the hook, you're not going to catch fish. These men knew what it was to understand people and to understand situations. And you know what's so beautiful about fishermen? Fishermen know to stay out of sight. They're humble. Fishermen knew that if the fish see you, <laughs> You're not going to catch any fish. And these humble fishermen knew that it wasn't about them, that it was all about Jesus. And so they pointed to Jesus. And so this is where you can see that Jesus knew exactly that these men had great qualities to be his disciples. So they're ordinary people living ordinary lives. Their hopes weren't great. They, they were hardworking. They hoped that they could provide three meals a day for their family, and day in and day out, and they hoped they could get a bit more sleep and do a little better. And their situation often seemed hopeless. My goodness, in the midst of all the financial things that are going on today, we can see that some of it seems hopeless. They couldn't understand why Jesus would have such a call on them. Who are we that Jesus would come to us? And say, come follow me. But you know what's amazing? Jesus didn't see them as hopeless. Jesus saw them as they were meant to be. Jesus saw them at their full potential. And he sees every one of us at our full potential of who we can be in Christ. Mark mentioned about that song about identity, and a lot of people are looking for identity today. I want to tell you, if you want to find your identity, you will find it in Christ. Because when I can't figure out something and it's broken, I go back to the manual. And I look at the one who created it, the one who made it, has all the details to figure out how to make it work again. And that is exactly what God is. God is our creator. He knew us in our mother's womb. He formed us there in our mother's womb. He knew us before even our parents knew us. And we know that he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. A plan not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. Now that scripture is often taken in another context. But I want to say to you today, if you want to live life to the fullest, you need to follow his call and plan. Because he knows exactly where he wants to bring you and what he wants to do. And he sees you as in, at your full potential and all that you will be able to accomplish with him. And so we have to call, but then we have a promise. And praise God for his promises, because that's what helps us to keep on keeping on. And so he promises these men, I'm going to now make you fishers of men. Now, I don't think they fully understood what that meant. But it is a promise that God gives them. And I'll tell you, the promises of God over our lives will make all the difference in difficult days. 
says we go back to that call. We go back to that promise that God had for us. Fishing back in those days was by line. Now, as a good Newfoundlander, I have been out in the little dory and doing some cod jigging. So that would be, that's, you got to have patience for that. And I've been out with that and down and jigging. That's by line. They used to fish by line. They would also fish by a net. This is what Peter and Andrew and John and his brother were doing. And there was also what we call a drag net. At those days, they would get between two boats and drag a net. We see that big, big uh, fishing today will still use that system. And it's in the midst of this that Jesus gives them this promise. I will make you fishers of men. God is our creator. And he was creating them, as we've already said, for something great in their lives. To serve God's purpose and mission. And Jesus knew that there was no greater mission for these men than for them to be people who helped spread the gospel. There is no greater mission for all of us than the kingdom of God and the lives of people coming into God's kingdom. My friends, there's a lot of things we're about as a church, but that has to be our focal point. God wants us all to be what? Fruitful. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants many to come into his kingdom. His desire is that all would be saved, that none would perish. And we can't deny that these first disciples were young and inexperienced and fearful. <laughs> and you know what? So are we. So are we, aren't we? We don't start out that way. Praise God, we never start out that way. And yet God still loves us, still wants to use us, still wants to forgive us, still wants to work with us. He doesn't give up on us. But see, what usually really matters is this promise of Jesus. Jesus' promise here is real. It is absolute. I will make you fishers of men. Peter and Andrew were nobodies. But they became great fishers of men. History, history has been written about them. And the promise will also come true for each one of us if we are willing to follow God. When we're willing to believe that his promises are true for us also. That if we are a disciple, God's going to help us to be fishers of men and women. When we use that term men there in the Bible, it means mankind. It means all people. And you know what's amazing? I've seen this, and, and it's the passage actually in Mark, because one of Mark's catchphrases, the same passage in Mark, immediately. He loves that word immediately. You see that all through the Gospel of Mark, immediately. And, and here we see, at once. So, so we see this call, we see this promise. Here's the key. What? Response. Response. The kingdom of God is dependent upon your response and my response to this call that comes to all of us to come follow me. And, and so these men, these men responded at once. I'm sure they didn't understand what they were doing. And you know, if we wait till God gives us the whole picture, you don't get it. It's much like a puzzle. You get a piece here and a piece there. Years later, you're able to look over your shoulder and say, Mom, look where God has been working in my life all these places. But you need to be obedient to every bit of light that he shines in your way. 
Every piece of the puzzle that he gives you. I, I remember, I've shared this a few times, but I remember when Pastor Mike and I felt the call to ministry, and we never seen ourselves as pastors. And, and we were just new believers. Uh, we, we got saved. I got saved in August 1984. Pastor Mike got saved November 1984. December 1984, we were meeting with our pastor, Ian Fitzpatrick, saying, something's going on and we don't understand what it is. We just knew that God had called us for more. And we weren't satisfied to keep doing what we had always been doing. And so in the process, he said, well, I think you should get training. Training for what? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be good for you to have some Bible knowledge, by the way. <clears throat> and so we agreed at that point, well, we'll go for a year. We'll get a Christian certificate. We'll get this Christian certificate, one year of Bible school. I'll go work in an orphanage in Africa. Mike will push a bulldozer in the fields of Africa. <laughs> well, you would be in the bulldozer pushing dirt. Sorry, wrong, wrong phrase. That didn't sound right. And so that was all we knew when we said yes. Now, when we said yes, we decided to attend European Nazarene Bible College. In, in, in Germany, and so we applied, and then the uh, reply came back, and when the reply came back, said, yes, you're accepted, but we think, wise, we think you should wait a year before you come. So we didn't go fall of 1985, we went fall of 1986. And God began to reveal more and more what his call was for our lives. Now, we were called into full-time ministry. Not everyone's called into full-time ministry, but we are all called. And we all have to respond to whatever God's call is on your life. And I want to speak to our seniors today. Some of the greatest men and women of God have done their greatest work for God in their later years of life. And so it doesn't matter you get to a certain age and you say, oh, that calls for those young fellows. Oh, God bless them. May they respond to the call. No, God's call comes to us at every season of our lives, and we need to respond to his call. If only. Well, I'll follow Jesus if. There's no ifs, my friend. I have met people and prayed with people in the later season of their lives where I heard them say, I could have, I should have, I wish I had been obedient. You can't put if in there. It's either yes, Lord, or no, Lord. I don't understand it all, but I will respond to your call in my life. Why would people... Give up a career to follow Jesus. Why would these men in that moment drop everything, the thing that their father and their grandfather and everyone else did, the thing that their community always did, they were fishermen in, through and through. Why would they drop their nets that day and follow? Why do Christians in million other walks of life regularly give up lifestyles and practices and look attractive and lucrative to the whole world and yet they turn from it and live a life of honesty and integrity, faith, hope, and love? Why would people do this? There's only one answer. Jesus. I love that statement. I'm hooked on Jesus. <laughs> we can only go fish on our men because we've been fished. We've been hooked. 
And Jesus was so attractive to them in that moment that God was calling them, men who were simple, hardworking men, that Jesus would call them. And they were so attracted to him that they were able now to go and attract others to him. And I want to say to you, Jesus, the, the cause of Christ, the love of Christ, the call of Christ is so attractive, my friends. It is so amazing. I, I pray that you have fallen in love with Jesus because you can't do enough for him. Amen. Because he's done so much for you. I love you, Lord. I end my prayers when I write them out. I love you, Lord, but thank you for loving me first. Because I realize I can only love him because he loved me. And these men seeing something in Jesus that they knew that they had to follow him. And I want to say to you, we need to be so filled with Jesus, as somebody said in the Promise Keepers years ago, that when people rub us the wrong way, we splash Jesus on them. Because it becomes attractive. People want to be around that. We want this community so filled with the presence of God and the joy of the Lord and Jesus that people want and need. We know people need a sense of community today. That we want people to want to be here and be a part of it. I got a question for you today. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of your response to follow I love what word of that song that we sing often. Listen to the words for a moment. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he is David's root, and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue. He has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? He is. Is he worthy for you to say, yes, Lord, I will follow? Is he worthy of you dropping whatever is in your hands? To say, Lord, I will follow. Jesus has a way of getting through. And whatever we are engaged with, whatever nets we are mending or fishing we are catching, someone said, somehow we will be sufficiently aware of his presence and call to know what it is we're being asked to do. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. Each one of us will have to be obedient to his call. Do you know, these men, when we think of Andrew and Peter, they didn't know the pain that this was going to cause them, actually, of being crucified like their master was. Or John, the James, the brother of John, had the slightest idea that years later he would be dead at the orders of Herod. They didn't know the pain, but I want to tell you something. They also didn't understand the glory that day when they said yes. Even still today, you can enter into Rome and into that section and see that beautiful church that still stands uh, and, and it's the very place that they believed in that square where Peter was crucified. That's still standing there today. Everyone knows about Peter. And then we think of Andrew. Andrew was made the, back in the day the patron saint of Scotland and Greece and Russia. And his story and his obedience to God lives on. I want to say to you today, we don't understand. We don't understand the 
times that can come our way by saying yes to Jesus, but we also don't understand the glory. Amen. And praise God, the future glory of being obedient to Jesus. And so, if we are a disciple, it's our response as well to say, yes, Lord. To know what it means. Not understanding the pain nor the glory. No ifs, Lord, I will follow. I'm sure their family and friends thought they had lost it. But one thing is clear. There was never a doubt in the minds that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior. And therefore the greatest and most important thing and decision that they would ever make in their lives. And we also need to make that decision if we are going to call ourselves disciples. And so as I bring this to a close and ask the worship team to come, my friends, this call is not for just a few men walking around the Sea of Galilee over 2,000 years ago. This call to discipleship is for every one of us. And we can receive this promise also for all of us today. I will make you fishers of men. And we'll add women and children. And it carries this wonderful, wonderful promise, doesn't it? But God is asking us now, how will you respond to my call? To those who accept his call in their life, he gives them the kingdom of heaven and eternal life. These disciples begin to change and they begin to live in service for him and his kingdom. And every one of them entered into God's service. But those who reject the call end up with nothing. End up with a meager existence. Here today, gone tomorrow. A pointless life of the same in, day in, day out. God has so much more for each one of us. I share this closing story. Now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around, and in fact the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, these who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish. The abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defended fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing is always to be a primary task of fishermen. Continuing, they searched for new and better methods of fishing, and for new and better definitions of fishing. And further, they said, the fishing industry exists by fishing, as fire exists by burning. They love slogans such as, fishing is the task of every fisherman. They sponsor special meetings called Fisherman's Campaigns. They sponsor special meetings called Fisherman's Campaigns and the month of Fisherman to Fish. They sponsor costly national-wide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing and promote fishing and hear about all the ways of fishing such as the new fishing equipment, fish calls, and whether any new bait had been discovered. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. 
The plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. In addition to meeting regularly, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish and the board hired staff and appointed committees and held many meetings to define fishing, to defend fishing, and to decide what new streams should be brought about. But the staff and the committee members did not fish. After one stirring meeting on the necessity for fishing, one young fellow left the meeting and went fishing. The next day he reported that he had caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell what he had done. So he quit his fishing in order to have time to tell everyone about his experience. So the other fishermen, and he was also placed on the fisherman's general board as a person having considerable experience. So now he no longer fished. Now it's true that many of the fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some of them lived near the water and bore with the smell of dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of some who made fun of their fishermen's clubs and the fact that they claimed to be fishermen and yet never did fish. And they wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend the weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, were they not following the master who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? And here's the question that this asks. If a person, if a person who is a fisherman, if year after year he never catches fish, is he a fisherman? Is one following if he is efficient. I think you got the gist of that story. I think there's a sign. We always talk about you're now entering the mission field. We haven't done it yet, Barbara. But I also think after church on Sunday there should be a sign put out the front door. We're all gone fishing. I think that's what God's calling us to do as the Church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit today. I don't know what's in your hands, but God is asking you now to draw. And say, you know what, Lord? Why would you pick me? <laughs> Little me to do this or what you want me to do. Drop the ifs today. No more ifs. And just say, yes, Lord, I will follow. I don't understand it all. I don't know what you're going to ask of me. But Jesus, I'm so hooked on you then I have to say yes. Can't say no. I'm willing to follow. I want to be so filled with Jesus that I want people to see Jesus in me. I want to attract others to Jesus. Not to me, not to the church, not to a denomination, not to a list of rules. I want to attract Jesus, people to Jesus. I want to live a life in such a way that people see Jesus. I know Jesus. I want Jesus. So as we sing the song, if you want to stand at the front here, whatever you need to do, you want to kneel, I leave that with you. Because ultimately the call has come. He's given us the promise. But now it's up to us if we will respond.